0: I would say that 70 percent is actually sharing sessions because most of them is that all of the kawaii combinator success uh, success companies are the founder are sharing their stories so from dropbox from uh, airbnb from everything right those companies that has raised, fallen raised again fallen again raised again and now they're becoming unicorn they all share the stories And that makes you realize that none of the successful startup has not fallen before. They always experience a failure. They always experience difficulties, a storm or anything, but they keep racing again and rise again and rise again. So basically commitment is very important when you do your startup, right? You have to commit on what you're doing. That's one. Second, you never give up. You should never, ever give up.
1: Hey, this episode is brought to you by Slice. Slice is a creator CRM to help brands and agencies better manage their content creator relationships. Our integrated platform simplifies reporting, payments, and creator relationships for branded, sponsored content. Creators, sign up for Slice and get access to brands and agencies who want to hire you for brand deals. We also give you access to your analytics so you can see which channels are growing. Uh, and we also create a media kit for you. So with, an, with one link, you can send these brands or agencies uh, your entire overview in terms of like who you are, your analytics, uh, your audience demographics, etc. So it's a lot easier to hire you. So go to slice.id, sign up today. Welcome back to the Side Door Podcast. We have a great episode for you today. Uh, we got my friend Woody Negrojo on the pod. so. Whitty and I know each other from my mindshare days. Uh, we both worked together. Uh, weirdly enough, you know, we're both part of the bald brotherhood. Uh, and, you know, he, he, I think, went to school in Wisconsin, right? So we have a lot of, you know, similarities. Uh, and he, he started a company. He's, you know, a 53-year-old man with a wife and kid. And he started a company. Uh, and they got accepted into Y Combinator. So the company's fresh- Fresh Factory. He is the chief commercial officer, uh, and so uh, you know, I I know more about like you know media software influencers, right? And this is all about logistics. So he and I had a really good conversation about like what it is that they are building, and you know, kind of how they're different from the existing uh, options out there. Uh, and we talk about why Combinator, right? Why Combinator is a Uh, prestigious accelerator right and so getting in there is a big deal right And so what was that like Uh, and then finally you know as someone who is advancing in age uh, I always feel like you know it's it's too late for me etc right and I know a lot of people feel like that and so Witty being someone who is a little bit older but you know he is doing things that are pretty cool and uh, he's doing them at an age when a lot most people are kind of like chilling they're on they're on um, you know, cruise control, they're not necessarily uh challenging themselves to do new things, especially stressful things like a startup. So, uh, I have a really good conversation with Witty. It's going to be one of the longer episodes, but totally worth the listen. So, chop it up, go on a walk, go on a run, whatever you need to do, uh, because this one is definitely worth the listen. All right. So, now on to the episode. Hey, Witty, welcome to the pod.
0: Hi. How are you? Long um, time no see.
1: Yeah, I know, man. You're, uh, your man. hat is covering up our brotherhood. Yes,
0: we are. Yeah, uh, I don't <laughs> want my glasses on.
1: But yeah, so you I got to
0: put my brand on my head.
1: You're decked so, out in Fresh Factory.
0: Yes.
1: So, yes. How, about, how about we start and let, you know, tell us what is Fresh Factory? Fresh
0: Factory. Oh. Well, I actually, uh, prospect 3 is a network of people local, of cold chain fulfillment centers, transportation, and a smart fulfillment management system that allows businesses to store, pick, pack, and deliver their products to the consumer better, faster, and more efficient than ever before.
1: Okay. So explain it to me like I'm five. Basically, you have Fulfillment centers yes. all over Indonesia that yeah. allow you to allow manufe- people. people to just hold cold stuff for delivery, right? Yes. Because right now.
0: Yeah. So, so basically now we are, uh, so we're doing a Hiper Local. We call it Hiper Local. Hiper Local because we are, uh, there's many of the small uh, warehouses that we have. Uh, especially like big city like Jakarta we have Jabodetabek we have 14 warehouses small ones and as much as possible we're trying to keep a radius of eight kilometers to our consumers so that delivery is fast and cheap
1: yeah. now we
0: are now we are in 15, 16, 15 cities and we have 42 warehouses And we are still growing so hopefully we can uh end of the year we're targeting about maybe around 50 to 60 cities in indonesia with uh maybe around a hundred warehouses
1: okay did you say 50 to 60 or 15
0: to 16.
1: 50 to 60. so considerable growth in the next nine months of course
0: Yes. Well, Uh, we'll... we have grown what from four to forty two in two years. So we have to grow faster.
1: Yes, everybody has to grow faster. Um, Yes. Yeah. So we'll we'll get dive deeper into into Fresh Factory and your growth and all this. But you know, you and I met for everyone who doesn't know at Mindshare. Uh, So we both worked at Mindshare. Um, so let people know what your background is, right? Because it is not in logistics, correct? Yes.
0: Uh, background. Oh my God. You know, if I tell my background, then everyone will know how old I am.
1: We're going to find out anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is my first startup. But uh, I never, I never, I never become a founder. But I think in my career, I always work at uh, build a startup, someone else's startup. So I started thirty years ago in Unilever for Walls Ice Cream. I worked there for four years, five years, and then uh, after that, I worked in Unilever Italy for frozen food business for to Horeca. That's another two years. Back here, uh, I have experience in Warner Music as commercial director and then Asia, which is partly logistic, another two and a half. And then AirAsia uh, was eight years in AirAsia. And then after that, about maybe six or seven years in uh, media companies and agencies. And then another three years in startup called CellStop. Uh, and then I started this. In twenty twenty, right the beginning of COVID.
1: Oh, perfect time!
0: Perfect time. Yeah, Yeah. usually a big crisis will will create big companies. So I said, I'll just do it.
1: Hey, this this podcast started out because of COVID, and I was bored, and I I needed something to do. Exactly. Uh, Yeah.
0: So So, I got my I got I got my frozen thing from ice cream. When I was in, uh, when I was in Walls Ice Cream, because uh, when I was in Walls Ice Cream, uh, you, we are we are, I was located everywhere in 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 the small cities. I experienced to be salesperson. I experienced to be uh, marketing brand manager. I experienced as logistic. So, because I was in the management training at that time, so I experienced the whole the whole. Uh, the whole circle of uh, of the of the business in Walsh Ice Cream. So I'm pretty much aware of how difficult it is to deliver or to store uh, frozen products. That's one. And then uh, during the pandemic, I met a friend who is the founder of Rest Factory. His name is Larry. So Larry has uh, cold storage in Ambon in Maluku. He brings uh, fish in bulk and sell it in bulk to uh, Pluit with a very cheap price. And then he mentioned, why is the, why is the price difference so big between the retail and, uh, and the market, the wet market in Pluit? So he decided to try to make consumer packing in Ambon, bring it here, and then sell it through Tokopedia and Shopee. Then we found out, he found out that delivery is not easy because you know, we open a store, we call our friend in Bogor to try to be. hey, I have a store in Tokopedia selling fish, why don't you buy? And um, they open, they end up uh, calling me back and I say, dude, delivery cost is about 80,000 rupiah, your fish is 50,000 rupiah. I'm not gonna buy because the delivery cost is too high. That's why. Second, I called another friend in Klapagadi, which is in North Jakarta, right? North Jakarta and they say, dude, your fish is OK. It's 40,000 rupiah, but uh, you know, delivery cost is about 70,000 rupiah. And that fish getting here is already, it's already not good because it's not frozen anymore. So we figured that uh, for frozen, distribution is totally different than for dry products because for frozen i think one uh, uh distance is a very big matter because distance uh, that means uh time of delivery so time of delivery if you sell it by regular motorcycle go-jack and grab then you cannot pass 10 minutes or 15 minutes in a non refrigerated box otherwise the meat or the fish is become melted and broken so not good so so you have to keep the distance within uh, five to uh, sorry, fifteen to twenty minutes only, not more. Uh, that that's one. Second, uh, when distance is far, then the cost of logistic is high, because Gojek and Grab is pretty expensive. You know the way they charge Gojek and Grab is that the first twenty, the first twenty, uh, the first eight kilometers is twenty thousand rupiah, and after that is two thousand five hundred rupiah every kilometers. So you can calculate that. So I said, uh, then I brainstormed with Larry and I said, I remember when I was in Walls Ice Cream, they have stock points for the bicycle, the tricycle that is going around the houses with some noise. That stock point is actually within five kilometers radius. We have one stock point. So I said, if uh, we are using Gojack and Grab as the main uh, transportation, then uh their radius is eight kilometers. We should copy that. So now we have uh, warehouses more or less with eight kilometer radius in every part of the city.
1: Okay. So that's why
0: we like, <clears> have
1: <throat> walls, walls experience coming through. Um so okay, so let me let me see if I n- understand this right. So current the current problem is there are a limited amount of warehouses that can store cold or frozen stuff, right? So the distance between most delivery uh, is long, so that it's expensive and uh, it, you know, the the quality of the product deteriorates because it's a long travel time and, it, it, and Jakarta is hot, so it it can go bad, right? And so what you guys have essentially done is created this network of warehouses that are in closer proximity so that uh anytime uh a delivery is supposed to come out it's it's basically I don't want to say ghost kitchen right but you know it's like it's it's much uh just shorter distance like for the go- it's
0: like a warehouse
1: yeah so the ghost kit or the yes. the, 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 like the, the go drivers house. just instead of having to go yeah. you know 10 kilometers north to get it and then another eight back uh, to drive it, it's like two and two and two or something like that, right?
0: So, currently, if you look at the market before we enter the market, there are a lot of uh huge, huge cold storages, uh twenty thousand pallets, thirty thousand pallets, but all located outside of Jakarta, Bekasi, Cilengsi, Bogor. So none of them is actually in the center of the city because they are huge, they are big. And usually they store it in pallet, one. Second, in those storages, you can only in and out in pallet or boxes, no items. So
1: that's while total when wholesale. The
0: marketplace, right. Yes, when you help the marketplace, when you help the SMEs to sell direct to consumers, then you have to be able to open the box and packet it the item. All right.
1: It. So basically so, the existing infrastructures for these massive warehouses for big distributors who have big refrigerated trucks who can go from the warehouse directly to the store. Right. But yeah. you're, you're helping these SMEs who are only selling, you know, a kilo worth I of fish. Be. Right. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So I guess tell me about these warehouses, right. Cause you're telling me they're they're significantly smaller than yeah. the the uh, the big ones right so like how and you're making you know you said you're up to like 40 now right so like how are you like you're not building the warehouse right you're you're renting a warehouse yeah. you're equipping it with with refrigerators like how do how are you you know approaching this
0: okay so uh The small one we have, we have like three types of warehouses. The small one is one Ruko or one shop house. Basically we use shop house as a warehouse. So one shop house, two shop house, four shop house, and central warehouse. The big ones are four warehouses, shop house. The the medium one is two shop house and the small one is one shop.
1: Can you just define what a shop house is for people?
0: Shop house is like a ruko. You know ruko, rumah toko. Is it? It's like it's uh, where people it's like live and work, right? Yeah, it's like a building that has uh, uh usually uh size are ten to ten times twenty meter per meter square. Uh, usually three floor or four floors. And usually people live above and below. They use it as a shop or as yeah. a... As
1: so, a... so are are these shop houses all cold storage, or do people do your employees like live there, and then like at the bottom you have a bunch yeah. of refrigerators? Okay.
0: So, uh, I think the first time we open a place, we take one shop house and then we put two freezers and two chillers. Those are at the beginning. And then as we go along, when we hit about six to eight freezers, then I will change the freezers to a cold room.
1: Like you turn, uh, turn a room into like a freezer? Yeah.
0: A cold room. Exactly. So usually I will build the second floor as a cold room. The minute
1: you... I hit six to eight. So are you like building this with proprietary technology, or like how does that work? No, oh, no,
0: no, no. It's a cold, a cold, cold room is um is a uh, is a regular cold room. Oh, so okay. it's like a big freezer uh, that you that you see in 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 movie with inside. There's a lot of beef. There's a lot of there's a lot uh-huh. of chicken. You know, it's, it's Dead the same people thing.
1: from the mob. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So. Uh yeah we built that once the freezer the chest we have six to eight chest freezers the chest freezers are actually more economical until we had until we hit a uh, six of them in every shop houses mm. and then we start to convert from uh from freezers to uh to cold road. and then uh i will move the freezers to the new warehouses
1: Ah, I see. I see. Okay. So you've got, you got this, this loop of the, to help you to build and grow. Right. So in the beginning it was just, you would rent this little shop house that, you know, like is very unassuming, just kind of like, you know, where people, you know, live and in the bottom, a lot of people just have like a little restaurant or like a, uh, you know, a textile little company. Right. You put in just freezers. Right. And then you, okay. and then how do you, uh, so how, like, how did you first start this, right? Cause you to start like right now it makes sense cause you have a ton of these warehouses all over the city. So it's very easy logistically, right? But then I'm, I'm assuming in the beginning you probably had one or two of these shop houses uh, to start, right? So then- how we, do, started how do,
0: with, we started with four. Uh, At the beginning, when we start, we have Jakarta, we have South Jakarta, we have Depok, we have Bogor, we have West Jakarta, and Kelapa Gading, so five, when we started. And then from the five to become nine, and then from nine become 14 in Jakarta.
1: Okay, so for for people listening who aren't familiar with Jakarta, right? So you had one in the north, then you had... One in the north,
0: one in the south. One in Depok, which is another city in the south, and Bogor, which is further down in the south, and West Jakarta. That's why.
1: Okay, but Five, so you didn't have like you didn't have concentration in one area to make delivery easier in one area. You you started out kind of scattered, right? So then how are you getting getting these businesses uh, to to use you?
0: Okay. So, for example, I met. um, So at the beginning, we're hunting for SMEs, right? When we're hunting for SMEs, then uh, most of the SMEs are located usually in the North Jakarta or in uh, West Jakarta area. So, you know, when I come to North Jakarta and I ask, uh, you have a big big shop for meat frozen meat frozen chicken why don't you open a branch in in the south i'm asking them who's who's your buyer mostly are the people in the north jakarta with the radius of eight kilometers right makes sense so i said you have a good product you can sell a lot of chicken a lot of beef in your area why you you don't want to expand? and they always say "Mm, how am i going to put the products he said uh, that means i have to put a products in a location in south Jakarta but I don't want to invest anything in there because it's risky one second who's going to guard my product what if it's lost what if it's stolen uh who's going to do the pick who's going to 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 manage everything right then I said uh so okay so if I do it for you I manage it for you I have the warehouse, you just have to pay the rent. Would you do it? And he said, yes, he said, yes, Uh, he will do it because uh, uh, then I don't have to invest and I don't have to do anything, right? So basically you just sell and product will come out for me. Then second question is that, but how do I know if the product is there? Then I realized that I need to have a system, right? So first factory, we built a, we built a WMS. Uh, it's actually a mix of WMS, FUMS, and uh, IMS. So WMS is Warehouse Inventory System. Uh, FUMS is Fulfillment Management System. Uh, and then uh, Inventory Management System. Those three are the more, the more important that we lump it into one into our system. Uh, and then... Uh, we based the uh, so every product will have an iq i call it the item keeping unit a lot of people know sku sku is the is the system keeping unit Whereas the sku is actually only uh determine one product with one variant at one uh, size right but the item is not uh didn't detect the item so we created what we call IQ, which is the item keeping unit. It's like a barcode. We stick it in the product so that we know every product is a different kind. So with that, uh, so we built the system and then we launched in five warehouses. Uh, and then we tried the system with IQ so that we know the product. We can do FIFO or we can do FAFO. So FIFO is first in, first out. FAFO is first expired first out so uh, all the data is actually uh, you can see it in the in the barcode in the system you can put in your uh, your expiration date you can also put your minimum delivery date uh and then you can put uh, uh whether you want to be first in first out or whether you want to be first expired first out then uh, when the order comes uh, it is going to go to our system and then our uh, worker in the warehouse using the handphone it will come out uh, uh, a QR code and he has to scan on the product then he will know this product is the one that has to be packed
1: so so, so
0: it's uh it's it's the system actually that make it easy it's the system actually that that so that so that it's replicable and scalable Towards uh, different warehouses, many warehouses, in different cities and different and different areas, because so you have the system. You,
1: you made this IKU system or AI, yeah, IKU system custom, right? <clears throat> and so, you're telling these SMEs, hey, you, your business is limited to eight kilometers right now. We can expand it to you know, you know all of all of Jakarta surrounding cities. All you need to do is put in your, you know, put in your items and then ship, ship bulk to yeah. to our warehouses, and then your team manages all of that. Yeah. So, yeah. so then, I, let's say I'm 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 selling fish, right? And I'm using you. I get an I get an order. Right? Who gets the order for the fish? Right? How does that happen? How who gets the order? And then how does your? I'm assuming your warehouse worker somehow is notified that they need to deliver a kilo worth of fish to Jesse uh, in Kuningen and uh, then they, they just order like a, a Gojek or a Grab. Okay. So the, this is how
0: it works. Uh, mostly the order are coming from uh, marketplace. So it happens in Tokopedia or it happens in Shopee or it happens in Blibli, right? Mm-hmm. All of my tenants usually have a store in Tokopedia or in uh, Shopee or in BliBli. So, order will come from the marketplace, right? Me, Fresh Factory, is connected through omni channel like Jubileo or Destiny or uh, Master Online or Forstock to the marketplace. So, when there's an order coming from the marketplace, from Tokopedia for example then Tokopedia will send the order to me right one second uh when we launched about 2 years ago Tokopedia also launched what they called multi origin so multi origin in Tokopedia that means that you can register a different warehouses in Tokopedia and the Tokopedia will uh will, re- will allocate uh, the the order to the closest warehouse that is closest to the consumer's address. So Jesse, when you go to Tokopedia, you already put in your address, right? Mm -hmm. So the minute you put in your address, then Tokopedia will allocate you to the closest fresh factory warehouse. The order will come from Tokopedia. Tokopedia goes through Jubileo. Jubileo goes to me. Then my people will pack it. Once we pack, we click ready. When we click ready, a signal sending into Jubileo and then to Tokopedia, and then Tokopedia will send the go check to my warehouse to pick up the product delivered to Jesse.
1: Gotcha. Okay, so there's there's multi platform integrations here to help with the logistics, but the okay. end end warehouse is you right so yeah. you're the one opening up these <clears throat> these shop houses you're the ones who are ultimately sending the product to the end user you know that user. last mile user but you know your iku system does not does not work directly to the to the seller it's it's through these it's only in my system so it, this seems very very easy sell for these smes cuz it doesn't seem like they have to do a whole lot at this point am i incorrect yes
0: yes well um of course there's a cost for everything right so i think uh the target because because then the target for me is actually an SME that is ready to scale if the SME is not ready to scale then you know they can do it themselves which is cheaper so, but if they want to scale, so they want to sell to the whole Jakarta one. So they want to sell, oh, I want to expand to Bandung. I want to expand to Semarang, Jogja, Solo. Then that's the time when they use us. Mm-hmm. My benchmarking is about when an SME can sell a product about 10 to 20 products per day, then they are actually ready to grow. But if their sales is actually less than about 10 a day, I don't think... Uh, using us is, is cost efficient.
1: But I mean, even 10, 10 a day is as a benchmark is still relatively like low, right? Like it's, you're not talking, you know, hundreds of, of orders a day. Right. So this can, a lot, a lot of business owners can use you in this, in, in this regard. Very interesting. You know, one last question about your kind of like business model before we get into YC. Um, how are you charging for this? Is it like you, you said, is there like a monthly like rent that you're charging people? Is it per package?
0: So I mix between um, AirAsia and Telco. Okay, So in Asia, it's basically you pay what you use. They call it buy you pay as you use. And Telco is wallet, right? So it's a prepaid wallet in Telco. So I kind of mix that. So for SMEs, I create a wallet. They can put in the money in the wallet. And then I will cut the charges at pay as you use. The way I charge is, uh, so I'm using the sharing models. So one chess wizard is, you don't have to necessarily run me one chess wizard. You only rent me a space, which is your products, right? So if this is the size of your products, this is the size of your products, then you pay actually this size. So you will have a daily rental at this size. You have a fulfillment cost at this size and you have a packaging cost at this size. The packaging cost and fulfillment cost will only be charged to you when the sales is happened. So when there's a sales of this product, then I will pick and pack and put it in the packaging, that's when the charge comes to you. One. Second, daily rent is actually you're paying uh, to store this product in my place at this size daily, starting from 200 rupiah.
1: 200 rupiah is like, what, five cents? A piece. Yeah, yeah, very low.
0: And uh, fulfillment charges started from uh, 1,500 per product.
1: So that's like and also packaging. 10 cents. It's very low. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So you definitely need scale for this to, to become
0: yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because because by by having this concept, right, uh then people they, they don't have to be afraid to try. Because you're only paying what you use and you're only paying as much as this. I mean, you mm-hmm. don't have to run me the whole chest freezer and you're worried that, oh, I cannot fill it up, right? Because I charge you by by pieces. But, uh, you know, uh, big corporates are different. So usually when you talk about big corporates, they sometimes want to use a dedicated freezer or something, which can be mm-hmm. done. But uh, for the small SMEs, you know, I always encourage them to try a new city, a new warehouse. Then I can say you can put as much as you want. There's no minimum charge. I mean, you can try with five uh, T-bones in Bandung, or you can try with five T-bones in Sumarang, see if it sells. If it doesn't sell, then you can withdraw, right? So yeah. you don't have to be afraid with that. I mean, if you try with five T-bones in Sumarang and it works, you can add another five T-bones and five Cibloins and see if it works. If it works, then you can increase the number of volumes, Right?
1: Yeah. Wow. Very low risk for them in that regard.
0: Right? That's one. Second, so we want to help the SME to actually grow, to actually expand their business, not only in Jakarta, but also to different cities in, in Indonesia.
1: This is making a lot of sense. So, in the intro, I was talking about Y Combinator. It's this accelerator program in the US and Silicon Valley, and some of the top companies in the world have come out of there, right? It's very prestigious. It's harder than Harvard, harder than Harvard to get into, right? So, companies like Dropbox, uh, Airbnb, reddit uh off the top of my head are some of the the alumni that have uh, come through yc but you know there's been an absolute flood of companies right but they're very very high quality and so it's uh it's a really cool program and and you know quite frankly it's us us based so they're starting to let in more international companies uh but still you know indonesia i think there are very very few amount of companies who have been uh accepted right so Uh, I took this opportunity to ask Witty, you know, what it was like uh, and why why he thought it was such a great uh, program. So that's what we're going to be talking about next. All right. So your background, you know, proudly uh, indicates that you guys were a part of Y Combinator winner 2022. Um, Yes. Not a lot of Indonesian companies are a part of Y Combinator, right? So for those who don't know, Y combinator is a prestigious accelerator in Silicon Valley, right? So, kind of like tell me the process. Like, how did you guys decide that you wanted to apply? <laughs> like, what was because that was still during COVID, right? So, like, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, you didn't go to San Francisco like a normal class would, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, I think it's uh, it's uh, it's really good actually. It's it's amazing, you know. I think it's a very good program. The accelerator is like a, it's like a university for startups, and I think now they even have uh, classes for startups. A uh, program classes for startup for three months, uh, which is very good. I mean, if you want to do a startup, that's that program is is really really awesome. So um, you know uh, at the beginning we're 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 not sure if we are going to be accepted in one in Y Combinator. We heard about Y Combinator a lot, Uh, but usually uh, Y Combinator are for a startup at a stage level of ideation stage stage level. So we are already running at one year at that time. So I thought it's a bit too late. Is it a bit too late? If it's not, I don't know. But then uh, one of my angel investor, uh, his name is Hendra Quick from PayFast. He's also a Y Communator. I think he is YC uh S17, summer 2017. He's one of my angels and he said you guys definitely should uh should register to Y Communator. At that time it was in August uh, 2021. Uh, so he said uh you should register. I said, "Are you sure, Hendra? I mean, we are. You know, my 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 the 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 founding team. I'm fifty three. Larry, uh, who is the founder, is forty two, and then I have a CFO, uh, Andre, at twenty seven. So we are a three generation with ten years gap in each of us. I, are you sure? Why computer will accept us? <laughs> and then Hendra was like, "Yeah, man, you should do it because." Uh, You know, uh, I think your company is one of a kind. There's no competitor in Indonesia. And actually what he mentioned is that you have a very good product market fit. That's the term that one community always use. It's a product market fit. So it's basically a product positioning, right? Mm -hmm. So when your startup has a very clear product market fit to the problem that happened in your Country or in your uh, in your target market, then you should apply because then you know this startup will help to solve the problem. That's one. Second, whether your startup is scalable at national level or even at regional level. So if the problem is happens national in Indonesia, which already quite big or even regional in ASEAN, or even worldwide, then you definitely, your idea is scalable. So one is product market fit, two is scalability. When those two meet, then Y Combinator will invest in you, right? So now, uh, so we start uh, registering to Y Combinator. And one of the, uh, one of the things that we have to submit is actually a one-minute video of explaining your startup, uh, the product market fit, what is your startup, and how does it solve the problem in your surroundings or in your country. So what is the problem? What is the market size? What is your product? How is the product market fit? What kind of problem that it will solve? And is it scalable? And you have to explain it in one minute video. Then you submit. So we submit all of that. Uh, Welcome Monitor says that uh, if you're accepted, you will receive an email at the beginning of December. We didn't get the email. So I said, oh my God, we're not going to get it. Uh, so I decided I go to Bali at the time for New Year's. And then on the 3rd of January, we got a call from Y Combinator and said, Are you free? Can you do a video interview in three days' time? I said, Yeah, that's good. So there is a 20-minute interview with Y Combinator. Uh, so they interview us. So they're asking, What is how's your business, how the product market fit uh what is our uh what is our revenue so far how many fulfillment uh how many fulfillment centers do you have now how many uh fulfillment orders that you can do in one day and stuff like that and he said uh okay uh the interview happens at four o'clock in the morning by the way <clears throat> out because because the interviewer is in San Francisco, right? So yeah. and, and then he said, uh, I will let you know by noon, he said, noon Jakarta time, if you're accepted or not. And by noon he called and he said, You're the last company that we accept. So we got accepted. So uh I'm very blessed, actually, because uh, at at my batch, there's 375,000 applicants all over the world. And the acceptance rate is about 2.75% of those 375,000 applicants. I heard it's harder than Anthony Harvard. (laughs)
1: Look, it is. As someone who has previously been rejected by YCI, I know, but I think <laughs> I think the the most remarkable thing about this is uh one, like YC is very open, like they want a technical CTO, right? A technical co-founder with and then they they typically invest in software based companies, right? I you guys have created some, but like the core of your business is not software, right? And and so I find that you know, and then you you take a look at your your founding team, which you have outlined as like a I diverse I age range, right? And like it's, you know, the odds would be definitely stacked against you. But I think, you know, in our first segment, I was, we were, I was trying to understand your business a lot deeper, right? And the more you talked about it to me, the more it just made a lot of sense. And it just seems like for me, like a no brainer. So I, I totally understand like why they... Uh, you know, they ultimately chose you, right? I think it's, you know, it's great. It's great for you guys, but I think it's also great for Indonesia, right? More Indonesian companies getting that global exposure. So I guess, you know, the program's what? Three months long?
0: Yes. So then the hell starts, right? (laughs) (laughs) The hell starts because we don't go to Silicon Valley. Yeah. We cannot go to Silicon Valley at that time, so it's all online Zoom. So all online Zoom. The program stands for three months. Uh, uh, we have a coach, right? We have a coach, which we do a uh, uh, we do a Zoom call every week, every week. Uh, but then also the classes that that we have to attend. Now the classes start at 11 p.m. until 3 a.m. Jakarta time. Oh. So at night, I go to school to YC, in the morning I have to work, you know, and then sleep and then wake up again at 11 and then uh, join the classes until three o'clock, four o'clock and then, uh... but it's, uh, it's a very good, very, very good classes because, uh, you know, most of the, cl- well, it's actually not a class, it's, 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 it's actually like a sharing session, most of it. I would say that 70% is actually sharing sessions. Because most of them is that all of the Y Combinator success success companies are, the founder are sharing their stories. So from Dropbox, from uh, Airbnb, from everything, right? Those companies that has rise, fallen, rise again, fallen again, rise again, and now they're becoming unicorn. They all share the stories. And that makes you realize that none of the successful startup has not fallen before. They always experience a failure. They always experience difficulties, a storm or anything, but they keep racing again and rise again and rise again. So basically commitment is very important when you do your startup, right? You have to commit on what you're doing. That's one. Second, you never give up. You should never ever give up, because hundred percent of those startups always going through a always going through a storm, always going through difficulties, ups and downs. It's always there, always there. I mean, Airbnb is big right now. When you see it right now, it's big. But you know, at the at the beginning, they are struggling as much as I am. I would say.
1: They're so and they all share the stories. So is and there shared... is there a story that you know stood out to you that you might not have you know been aware of before Y Combinator? Oh yeah,
0: definitely. Because most of the companies are startup, you know, and uh, uh, I, I I I never know. I mean, uh, I never know the ups and downs of Airbnb and Airbnb going through a lot you know at the beginning of the states they're trying to find the product market fit for almost 2 years hmm. 2 years to find the right product market fit so it's a long time and but their commitment and their belief on the ideas is so strong so that they're trying to meet the to search for the product market fit those are the most important things but the minute you got the product market fit, then you're there, right? But even that growing is another problem because scalability is another is, is is problem. I mean, when you have, I, I experience it myself. You know, when I have uh, five warehouse, nine warehouse, it's the same, it's easy. But the minute you have 15 warehouse, it's different. The minute you have 25 warehouse, it's totally different. The minute you have 40 it's totally different again. So, uh, you know, in every step of the way, when you scale, uh, a different problem will come up and a different system needed, a different automation will be needed, Mm -hmm. a different monitoring system will be needed, right? Because you're growing your business. And those are are, are not, uh, you know, we have to do a lot of trial and errors as well and we should not give up.
1: No, I think that's, that definitely makes sense. That's, you know.
0: that's something that, uh, yeah, that's something that 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 we learn. And then another thing is that uh, uh, you should never underestimate uh, VCs, investors, because sometimes the smallest investors at the beginning will become the biggest investors at the end.
1: I'm sure there's a lot of VCs listening who yeah, love that. Fun.
0: Second, uh, uh, second, uh, uh, there's a lot of people that actually underestimate investors when they do the interview, but then they end up becoming your investors. So, yeah. And uh, I also heard uh, people that uh, pivot for three, four times before they, t- they find the product market fit. So pivoting is actually not a bad idea, you know. There's a lot of people that are actually pivoting uh, their product uh, to find the product market fit, because ideation is usually good on papers, but the minute you go into the market and you try into the market, then you have to adjust here and there, and sometimes <clears throat> you have to pivot target. So it's okay.
1: This is this is great for me to hear because I'm knee beep in this right now uh, refactoring our product trying to get that product <laughs> market fit you know if I, if I had hair before we started this company it would have been gone already it's it's a hell of a ride well
0: but you got nothing to lose so just go ahead and do it right
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah nothing to lose <laughs> um, you got nothing can
0: just do it <laughs> so, but yeah we we learn a lot in 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 Wild Combinator, right? especially because i mean you can read a lot of books about unilever about coke about nike about stuff but you yeah. don't read books airbnb you don't you, you know you don't you don't read books about uh, uh, dropbox about many things
1: right yeah, I mean, I've, I've watched some of the online classes, so I, I have a, an idea of what you're talking about. I'm sure you guys get a much more intimate uh, opportunity with all of this. Uh, one, so one thing that you you were talking about, right, is the age, right? And I think before we started, you told me that you were the oldest, oldest <laughs> guy in the group, right? In the, in the YC, right? And I think this is this is <laughs> kind fantastic, of right? And I want to I want to talk to you about this, right? Because you know. 53 or 52, 53 going on, you know, over 50, let's say, right. You, you started your first company after 50 years old, you're married with, you know, I think a kid or two kids. I don't know. Yeah. Right. So you, you're much, you know, more, you know, mature further along in life than a lot of uh, entrepreneurs. Right. And I think, you know, as I get up there in age, right. I think there's this sentiment that people feel like they're stuck. They're afraid, like it's too late, you know, their opportunities have gone. Right. So like, what, uh, you know, what would you, what kind of advice would you give someone, whether they're young, whether they're like, you know, in my late 30s, early forties kind of age range, or like, you know, who are like feeling like they, they fucked up and they, they, they lost all their opportunity.
0: <laughs> well, uh, 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 yeah, you never, never, you never too late to start, but don't start too late.
1: So uh,
0: I think at any time of your age, you should be, uh, there should be, uh, you you can start something, anything, anywhere, at any age, right? I mean, but uh, you you do still need the energy actually to do a startup. So that's why I would recommend. Uh, I think I feel that the best age to start a startup is about forty. So when you are in the forties, uh, I think because you have a very good experience already, you probably already worked for fifteen years or twenty years. Then when you start, you, you do your own startup. Uh, you you are you are actually quite well equipped with experience. That's one. Second, uh, I think uh, I'm very lucky because I can. Create a startup with uh, true younger founders, right? Because uh, Larry is forty, which is ten years younger than me, and Andre is twenty-seven. So I said to Larry when I, when I was about to create this company, we need a young guns. Come on, dude, We're, we are a startup, so we need something to be something young, uh, below thirty, that can you know can work like a horse. So, <laughs> 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 so we. We found a partner, right, with a, with the same vision, with the same, uh, uh, he has his own tax consultant company, he's very good in finance, He's his ex, uh, EY, he's pretty smart and he's still wearing out, 27. So, yeah, we, we asked him to be a founder and he wants to do it because he wants to be an entrepreneur as well. So the three of us is actually a very good combination because, you know, when you are getting older, you tend to a little bit reluctant to try something new, but your new one, but the young ones is like, fuck it. Let's try, it. you know, let's do it. Let's just, let's just let's just do it. If it's wrong, it's wrong. It's okay. Let's just do it. You know, that's, that's the young ones. Well, the old ones are, mm, I think, I don't think this is going to work, you know, but, Actually, like what I said, when you have the three of us together and sit and think about it, and then, you know, uh, there's many times that I already, that I changed my mind as well to let's do it because, you know, my other founder who's younger than me say that, hey, dude, it's, uh, it's worth to try. So, yeah, I think you should try and do it. As far as you're ready for the commitment, that's one. Second, you make sure that your product has a very good product market fit, Solving a problem. And it can be scaled.
1: Very good advice. So I'm going to ask you for one more piece of advice before we go. <laughs> someone, let's say someone out there listening is ready to start their company, Right. any anything that you would you know aside from you know it's never too late uh commit find product market fit right anything that you've learned starting the company that you didn't know before you started the company that you would you would share with someone who's about to start their first company
0: uh, well uh, uh, uh the founding team is very important, right. So the founding team, like I said, the founding team is very important. You know, when you have uh, three founders, two founders, sometimes four founders, that's okay. As far as you can, you can gel in together. But once you have this founding team, you have to be able to trust each other 100%. That's one. Second, you have to be able, you have to be honest with all of them. You have to be able to fight every day and become friends at any time, right? Because creating a startup is not easy. It's a full commitment. 100% of your time is there. I even work on Saturday and Sunday now because of this startup. Seriously. I have to come to the office on Saturday and Sunday because on Saturday and Sunday, me and uh, the two other founders, you know, we don't have any work days that we have to do. So we can sit and brainstorm and chit and chat and laugh and drinks and, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, a get together and let's, hey, dude, what is next? What are we going to do next? What are we going to hit next? You know, and then after that, Monday is day to day. I'm, I'm going to be busy with my commercial thing. Andre is going to be busy with uh, looking for funding. Larry is going to be busy with another thing. So. Uh, 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 and we fight every day. I mean, you know, there's one time one of the VC in Singapore called me up and said, uh, Larry, I heard that uh, uh, Weedy is going to quit from the founding because you fight with him. And Larry is like, Which fight? We fight every day. <laughs> I'm, I'm- our, VC does, our VC is like Are you guys splitting because you fight like hell and I was like no I think when you don't fight that's a danger because then you're going to keep it to yourself because when you're creating a company there's a lot of problems and you're definitely going to fight that's why among the founding team you have to know you can trust each other and you can be honest to each other. You can fight anytime and become friends at the end.
1: I'm laughing because I'm gonna clip this and send it to my co-founder. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I yeah, I mean what, I, I know, know what you're too. saying. I know what you're saying, right? And I think that's why I'm comfortable with her because I can I can yell and get angry and I know that like she'll show up the next day, right? Um exactly yeah yeah no that's i think that's great and the minute advice. you're
0: not fighting that's dangerous because the minute you're not fighting that means there's grunge that you hold inside your heart yeah that's and uh you know when you build something i mean it has to be i mean the fights will always be there and you have to trust each other and be honest with each other that dude that's gonna work i don't agree with that i don't want to do that or you know or you got to fight it until you have got a solution to it. No, but you th- have to do that.
1: this. Makes a lot of sense, and I think that you know founder quarrels are a big reason why startups fail. Um, and it's because they don't. They say it's founder fighting, but I think it's it's deeper than that, right? It's they're not probably like they're not fighting, right? There's disagreements, but they're not communicating it, and that's what is leads to. These problems that ultimately, you know, ruin the company. So, you know,
0: know. In, uh, in, in YC, yeah, if you're yeah. in US, see, uh, they hired a uh, uh, a person, uh, psychologists, psychologists, to help the 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 founding team uh, uh,
1: to get together. <laughs> uh, uh, a Wendy Rhodes like from the billions. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 that's smart. That's smart. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it's awesome. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you have to, you have to, you have to trust your your founding, your founding team.
1: Winnie, thank you so much for the time. Thanks for the knowledge. Thank this you. Been great. Think-
0: <laughs> if anyone asks you, if anyone needs helps to to build a startup, let me know. Me, <laughs> <laughs> you should meet and have a chit chat. Yeah, and, yeah. and and you know, and you know what, you know what, you should not tired applying to IC because I know, uh, people that are actually every year they apply to IC, so they tweak the product, they yeah. tweak the product, they find a product market fit, and then they reapply to IC. And they got accepted after three times. I'm just lucky that I got accepted the first time. I know a lot of people that are actually applying for YC for three, four times, and they only got it by then. Uh, and 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 I tell you whether it's worth it or not. Yes, it's worth it, uh, Jesse. Because one, uh, of course, the material is good because you can you get to know, uh, you got to learn a lot about the startup a lot uh, a lot of u- unicorns that actually you can learn from the yc but second it actually elevate your valuation a lot a lot you know the minute i got yc my valuation is about 30 million us that's hard to get here. maybe 1 to 2 million us yeah
1: <laughs> dude <laughs> American valuations versus Indonesian valuations are very different. Exactly.
0: And, you know, before YC, I'm trying to meet an uh, investor. It's really difficult. You know, before YC, you know, I'm trying to to pitch to, to VCs. It's really difficult. The minute you got into YC, all of those feces are lining up to see you as soon as possible. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah herd mentality i i know and i know the difficulty of getting those those pitch meetings and and getting investments nothing is easy when it comes to startups i think that's one of the 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 lessons here never give up it's never too late uh and commit (laughs) okay thanks man all right thanks man Thanks for listening to another episode of the Side Door Podcast. I appreciate any likes and ratings that you will give us. Uh, I really appreciate it if you share this with a friend. You know, we always appreciate uh, a larger audience to hear uh, the stories of of these entrepreneurs in, in Indonesia. Uh, If you go to sidedoor.xyz, that's going to take you to our Spotify uh, playlist so you can hear all of the episodes there. You can subscribe there. Uh, And, you know, here we're doing a little bit more video. So if you go to sidedoor.video, that's going to take you to our YouTube channel. So you can subscribe there. You can watch the episodes there. Uh, You can kind of track where my funky eyes are going and, you know, my weird faces that I make when people are speaking. Um, But, you know, uh, I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, We've got a lot more cool guests coming on. uh, So, you know, appreciate any help that you can give me to to spread the word of this podcast. Uh, If you have any suggestions for the pod or, you know, potential um, guests, uh, hit me up on Twitter at Jesse Bowman. Until next time, stay curious.